Good evening and welcome to Elosa Fumar Takes. This is our 223rd take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Fair Duplessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show. I've been looking forward to this take for a really long time. Having this guest back is going to be an absolutely stellar show, so I'm really looking forward to it. Before we get to formal introductions of my guest of honor tonight, and he indeed is a guest of honor because we are going to be celebrating a momentous occasion tonight, and that, of course, uh, we have to thank our sponsors, and tonight's show is always sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate is now shipping the Nika Rustica Adobe, the second expression in Drew Estate's value-priced Nika Rustica line. It's now shipping to retailers nationwide. Introduced in the May, the May 12th broadcast of Freestyle Live and previewed by guests in the DE25 exclusive pre-party event before the Florida Barn Smoker, Nika Rustica Adobe brings to life the soul and of the lively and romantic barrios and colorful colonial houses of Esteli, Nicaragua, home to Drew Estate's factory. While similar to the Nicarustica Connecticut Broadleaf expression, the adobe is spicier, made from a Habano wrapper, Brazilian binder, and Nicaraguan filler tobaccos from Esteli and Jalapa. The unfinished and unrefined Nicarustica adobe is a medium to full-bodied stick that offers lots of spice and a bold, very long finish. So check out your Drew Diplomat retailer today for the Nicarustica adobe. And of course, welcome everybody. This is our 223rd take as i've mentioned and tonight's guest without further ado is sponsored by united cigars smoke one today and start living united mr george rico of grand habano cigars george how are we doing tonight doing well thanks for inviting me i appreciate the the time they took to uh have me at the show thank you oh it's absolutely my pleasure george thank you so much this i i i've been really looking forward to having you back on the show it's been a long time uh it was our 91st take was the first time I, I had you on and I was like, I couldn't believe that it's actually been that long since I've had you on the show. I've interviewed you on other shows and of course at the trade show uh, as well, but um, it's, uh, it's been too long. So thank you so much for, for coming back uh, after that, uh, that long absence. And that's, that's on me though. That's not, of course. So thank you. Wait, that's good. 91. That's been a while. Someday. Yes. Yes. I couldn't believe it. I looked back and I, I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, it was, it was almost a little embarrassing. So, um, but you know, to today, um, I, I mentioned we we're going to celebrate a momentous occasion. This certainly isn't it, but I, I wanted to talk about a couple of things. Uh, you know, obviously it's it, it's it's September 11th, and that means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And you know, last year I talked about how I was, you know, I was a senior in high school, and you know where I was and everything like that. So I, it's always kind of interesting to kind of look back at where people were in their lives and. I mean, were you already working with your dad um, on when, you know, September 11th, 2001, or where, where were you in, in, in life? No, I was, I was still uh, at school, but I was working for my family still. And um, I remember seeing it on TV in the office and it just kind of blew me away. I mean, it was just one of those moments where, you know, you saw the first take and I think a lot of people could experience that where the plane... The, the smoke and then when the second plane hit i thought it was kind of like they oh they actually got it on video but it was actually live and that's when it really you know hit me and it was kind of a real i don't know at that moment in time it was just like everything just stopped so i i always remember that moment uh, i remember the little white tv over the the kitchen in the office and it was just kind of it's, it's kind of a sad moment at that time yeah, it was. It's it's still 
it still is like vivid to me. Like it, it's, it's, it feels like it's just happened and it's been over two decades now. Yeah. And it's just, it's one of those things that I, you know, they think about, they talk about those moments in history that you're a part of and like, where were you when? And I think those things will always kind of be cemented. It, it's, yeah. it, 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 it's not just like, you know, it's also very personal stuff. Like you remember, like, I remember everything about the birth of my children, my wedding day, like those are personal, obviously, but like in moments like that of like historical t- significance, it's just like, where it's just unbelievably surreal. You know, you, I think it, it'll always be like a memory that stays with you, which is just, yeah. just nuts. It's kind of a tough moment because I mean, that's, that's when I always felt that we lost and I mean, I, you know, we lost that innocence that now we're finding 20 something years later. Mm-hmm. But before then, I mean, everything that's changed, I mean, our whole world has changed from that. I mean, mm-hmm. our lives were kind of one of those scenarios where just going to the airport uh, will always remind you of that, that situation. Why? Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone why. So it's kind of one of those things that, you know, it, it changed our history. And by doing so, we always look back um, and it's still, I think we still live with it. That's the, that's the hard part because it's all, there's always a reminder. Uh, and, you know, as long as we don't forget and are always vigilant and understanding, um, you know, things will progress. I, I feel that people, maybe a huge generation hasn't probably lived, got to live through it. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a lot of people who are born after they're probably right. adults at the time, but it, it was one of those moments that you should never forget. Well, you, you bring up a really interesting, funny, uh, kind of funny point to a very sorrow subject. Uh, but yeah, everyone that was born after 9-11 going forward can now legally smoke cigars and drink. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how long ago it's like, I thought about that today. I was like, oh my gosh, that's how long it's been is that they're the people that did not experience it now are now of legal age. Yeah, going yeah, I mean, happened. So, so it's, it's kind of one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. It's just, um, it's one of those, like I said, it's just one of those things that we'll always remember and that are kind of etched in memory forever. Uh, speaking of etch though, I, I, I saw this as soon as you turned on your screen, when we got started this evening and everything that that is a, that's an, I, this is going to suck for people who are listening later for podcasts. There's a beautiful piece of art behind you. Um, what What is that? Oh, so this is done by the artist in um, that uh, Maspas, who actually did the artwork for the last of Zulu. Um, oh so it's of uh, I don't know. I, I gave it to my wife for my birth for her birthday, and I think it's a it's a picture of her with some other other things around it it's, it's beautiful really cool. yeah i was gonna ask i didn't know if those were like if those were tobacco leaves or if they were just you know. well i think one was not i think there's there is an arrow there's yeah, something and then there is a woman and I, she's holding something i don't know what it is i forgot he did explain it to me but it's actually a really cool piece you could oh. like his artwork i'd recommend check him out there's my spots on instagram um does some really cool stuff Awesome. How do you spell that? I'm going to go ahead and put that in the chat right now. M-A-S-P-A-Z, which means more peace. If you see his stuff, definitely represents um, 
more peace, happiness. Nice. I love it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, like I said, it's going to be lost on. So, yeah, anyone listening on podcast later, check out Moss Paws uh, and you'll see some of this fantastic art. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. So, um, awesome, George. I, you know, you mentioned uh, you're drinking some bourbon. Are you smoking tonight? No, I'm, I'm, I'm inside the house. So I usually try to avoid it, unfortunately, for, to make the show. I, I did it at home, so I won't be smoking tonight, unfortunately. But I will tomorrow in remembrance of 9-11. Wonderful. Well, I've got a couple of cigars here uh, from, from that you were kind enough to send to me. And I would, love to, I would love to smoke one of them tonight, but I would love to give you the honor of choosing. So, um, oh, thank you. So... Um, one of the cigars, of course, uh, we'll be talking about both these cigars a little bit later, um, but uh, I'm really excited to smoke either one, and it's completely up to you. So I have here a um, 20th anniversary cigar, which, of course, you're representing with your shirt. Yes. And uh, I also have the uh, Persian King Type Mod 60. So um, what cigar would you like me to smoke tonight, sir? Well, I mean, you know, definitely the 20th anniversary is my newest project. I think it's something that, you know, with all the years of work that I put into that particular project, I would love to see you smoke. But at the same time, maybe, maybe you could try something different with the Persian King. But being, I don't know, that's a hard one. I mean, two good new projects from Granabanos. Let's go with the 20th. I think that, you know, that would be something that we, I love to hear you know, the comments and, um, you know, we've been sending it out. It hasn't hit the short, the store shelves. So I haven't gotten the full response, but the comments or text messages that I've gotten on the brand, I mean, on the blend has been phenomenal. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'll tell you right off the bat, there's something beautifully aromatic about the yeah. smells coming off the foot and the tobaccos. I mean, that caught my attention. This is actually my second one smoking. I, I sent you the picture of the first time I was yeah. smoking it. Um, and that was the first thing that caught my attention. I was on a beach, no less. And, you know, the, the air is filled with all sorts of smells and everything like that. But it's it's still no different here. And it, it is just, I mean, there is, there's sweetness. There's, there's beautiful, like, an herbaceousness to it. There's a floral component to it. You get the, you know, the tobacco smells of the, the hay and the earthiness, of course. And, but it's almost, it's, I will say this, it's, it is, it is absent of, of pepper, which you get a lot sometimes on the foot of, of, of some cigars, like, like your Corojo, for instance, has that, has that kind of pepperiness. Well, I, I finished the cigar in a very traditional way that was taught to me uh, years ago um, by Rolando Reyes. Actually, he, he taught me. A really cool way to finish cigars after they're made um and i thought that it's it was a good way to sort of celebrate the 20th anniversary with that doing something that was really old school from the 60s and so hopefully you, you'll, you'll you'll pick up on that so that was kind okay. of a cool thing was it a technique or was it the tobacco the way the tobaccos were used or technique so um okay. it was very traditional that a lot of people did back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, even until the 90s. Um, so, you know, I thought, I don't know, celebrating 20th anniversary, doing it as traditional as you can. And, you know, having learned from a lot of the old masters, 
uh, him being one of them. I thought it would be a nice little celebration of picking up a skill from years ago and doing it now. Fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm looking forward to, it. I'm going to go ahead and light this up right now. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it later and I'll certainly share my thoughts on it as well. Um, too. So, uh, so let's go ahead and get into tonight's major point, which of course is always brought to you by uh, you uh, brought to you by the people. Yes. Cigar people, the people who know about a, a life, know everything about a lifetime of service. That's of course, protocol cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, maybe it is, but behind the fun is a motivation for service, a motivation for giving back from the original protocol blue to the latest release in the lawman series, Bass Reeves and Phoebe cousins protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people it's what their life's work has been and always will be about power of the P protocol cigars. Well, George, you know, I mean, 20 years, uh, a lot has happened up on to, uh, a lot of 20 years, and we're going to certainly catch up on some of the things. I, I, I do want to mention an anniversary that I'm sure you're aware of once I bring it up, but it, we're actually at a 10-year anniversary of something else that was very, very, very fun and very unique inside your business, um, which was, we're coming up on the 10th anniversary of the Grand Habano Number no. 5 El Gigante, the 19-foot cigar that you made and sold for nearly two hundred thousand uh, dollars, and this is pre-inflation, everybody. So this is, I mean, this is a feat. I um, did you, it. Is. <laughs> it's been ten years since uh, since you did that project. Yeah, it's. Been, I, I was not. I didn't never really. You know, it's kind of funny how time flies. I didn't know it was ten years. I could. I could still remember packing it in a truck and sending it off. So uh, it's. It's pretty impressive that I got away with doing something like that. <laughs> All right. So I think I remember we talked a little bit about this before last time I had you on, um, but I don't think we dove too much into it. I'm just, I know it was purchased by an anonymous donor or not, yeah. not donor. Well, uh, anonymous right. buyer, excuse me. Um, but let's, I mean, start from the beginning. Like, did you, was it just like, I want to see if I can do this. I want to see if it's like, like, or what, what was what was some of your main motivations behind it? I mean, that's just wild. Oh, no. Having done that cigar, I, I wanted to do the biggest cigar because we were going to the convention. And it's something that we spoke about for a long, long time, my father and I. They, we thought that you know it would be a very unique way for us to go, go to the trade show at that time. I think this was uh, when it was still RTDA or was it IPCAPR? I forgot what it's called. Anyhow, so we thought it would be something unique for us to bring to the trade show and really promote the brand and sort of, you know, like anything, call attention. But we always wanted to accomplish by doing the biggest cigar um, that we could do. Uh, so this one was 19 foot long. And then, you know, price point, I really honestly never thought that we would sell it. I thought it would just be like a very unique idea. Right. Uh, but that said, I, I, I don't know. I'm still speechless over the fact that someone wanted to buy it. <laughs> That's crazy. So like, okay. So you, at first, I mean, was the, I know you said you didn't think anyone would purchase it, but was there an intent to sell it? Like did, or, or did no. you guys? Okay. No, I actually sat in my warehouse for about five years and it was in the way. And, you know, my parents always thought that, you know, we should just take it apart and use the, because I was already doing cigar factory in Little Havana. So they thought that maybe I should just, um, just break it up and use it for rolling cigars. 
um, in, in Miami. And then I thought about it, but then for some reason, a few months later, actually someone contacted me about it. So things happen for a reason, right? You know, you're thinking about destroying it and someone calls you to put, to keep it. So it was unbelievable. That's crazy. Yeah. I, one of those things, right? <laughs> like I always, I should do another one. I mean, you know, maybe this time we should do a, a 39 foot one. There you go. Or yeah. yeah um, well, I would say it's probably too late now, uh, but I was going to say a 20 foot one, you know, be well, bigger than one, the first one, but. But in order for us to fit it into a container, that's to be 19 foot. So that was, that was the reason of the 19 foot. Cause we, we shipped it around in a 20 foot container. Oh, so. <laughs> Yeah, I'd I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that that negotiation. <laughs> I'd like to buy this from you, George. Okay, <laughs> how much were you thinking? <laughs> oh man! Yeah. But um, but th I mean, this this brings about, and it's it's funny because I've I said the word unique. You said the word unique, and I rem uh, I I recently heard an interview that you did uh, where you talked about how. Um, I guess Natasha gives you a hard time for using that word, says you use it too much. Um, yes. <laughs> Can't believe I just used it then. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my fault. I totally teed you up there. Um, but I, I, I use it a lot too. Um, but I, 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 think, I, I think the reason why, um, it, I mean, I think it's very appropriate when talking about Grand Habano for the most part, because it is different. You know, you know, you if you don't want to use the if you don't want to use the U word, that's fine. It, it is different. There, it, it it's very interesting that and it's the way that you, the projects that you've done over the years and everything is is there's this there's this really wonderful cohesiveness to it, but there's also this wonderful individuality to each of these independent projects that you do, which is really yeah. really. I I appreciate the fact you highlight that because I mean you know I've always. I've always been in love with every project that I make. And the reality is, is that it, to me, it has to be fun. And I've always said that, but I really dive into doing the best I can. And I think our cigars are unique enough that stand out. I mean, even if you take the band off and you smell them and you smoke them, we have this unique flavor. Uh, it's our blending and aging process. And I mean, you know, everyone's different. Um, but I consider what we do to be something that's very special. And that being said, um, it's something that I think anybody that does smoke our cigars could always pick out um, that is always different from many other cigars. Um, I think there's a lot of cigars like that from other companies that for, for whatever the reason are, they're special um, in their own. And I think that's what sets us apart as well. Just uh, our aging process, our blending process and then all the unique projects that I've worked over the years. Like you said, I mean, I've, I always try to sort of tell a story with every product, uh, you know, with every cigar brand that I've brought out. And that's, that's, again, that's one of the things that I've, I've always really cherished about. I, I, I tell people this, it's, it's, it's funny. We're going to talk about this because um, I recently got into a, uh, we'll, we'll call it a, a lively debate or discussion about it, uh, about, about your cigars. And I've, I've, I've always been a fan and, um, and the subject, uh, just came up a couple of weeks ago. So this was, uh, um, 
I was I was at a I was at a cigar lounge and someone was asking me like, hey, who are your upcoming guests? And I was like, oh, I'm really excited about this show, this show. And I was like, and I, I have I have George Rico on 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 9/11. I said I'm really excited to have him back. And he's like, why? And I was like, I was like, I love Grand Havana cigars. And he's like, no, you don't. I was like, and I was kind of taken aback by, I mean, this the directness of that like accusation. Like, why why would I just say that if I was? And he's like, no, you no, you're. I'm like. Well, what, I was like, wait a second. What do you mean? No, I'm not. He's like, like I. He's like, no one never. He's like, no one ever says that. I was like, I said a lot of people do, and I said he's got 20 years of business to prove that a lot of people love his cigars. And this, and I, I, I'm sorry to bring this guy up, but it, 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 all of the sour apples that he had, George. But here was my uh, my point. I loved I love shoving it in his face because I actually uh, sent him a picture as soon as I got home with this, and I'm going to do it here as well. Because I said, I always have, I always have a box. I have to have a box of Corojo number five wow. in my possession. I have to. And now you were such a big fan. But, I mean, yeah. I, we both belong really well. And I appreciate the fact that you support the brand. And thank you for defending me. <laughs> of course. <laughs> this guy, don't, don't worry about this guy. There's plenty of stuff. But like. So I, I, I t- took a picture, I took a selfie, and I sent it to him. So I'm also going to do it here on the air, too. So here's the box. Here's my latest. <laughs> so there it is. Yeah. Okay. So just, yeah, so, since uh, apparently I really upset this guy, but who cares? Um, <laughs> but we were talking about how you how you stand out here, George. And this is what I, this, a couple of things that I wanted to point out uh, from, I mean, this is your classic line. This is the number five Corojo. These are, this is the Robusto. Um a couple of things here that, and I, I think I'm, I can't believe I'm just noticing this. The pre 2007 blend badge, we'll call it a badge. Is that, yeah. is that new? Is that always, have I just missed it all this time? So that's been on there since um, I think 2016. Okay. Right. FDA. So I put that on there to let everyone know that you're smoking something that's oral stomach. That's going to be around for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of one of those things. I think the problem sometimes that the people that probably feel that way about the brand don't really understand what there is so much about the brand. And, you know, when we came out, our cigars were priced very reasonable. And the reason why we did that was to be competitive. Um, and we've, I think the perception with people of brand is that they have to pay more in order for it to be better. And I think the regular cigar smoker that really appreciates a really good cigar for under now seven, $8, because, you know, unfortunately things have gone up. It used to be $5 20 years ago. And actually when the first brand bottles came out, they were three to $4. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, so back in 2002, I mean, you could get a, a, a Grand Robusto for $3.50. I mean, you know, things have changed that much. So we've, as a family, we always felt that we wanted to produce the best cigar possible for the best price and not gouge the consumer. And I think the problem is with a lot of consumers, their perception is, is that that makes a cigar less, I guess, less quality less i don't know and sure. then that's or va- you know, value gets attached to it right like if we're being yeah. like pc about it because people don't want to people don't want to say budget cigars they all say value price cigars but 
part. I love it. I mean, you know what? If for the, I'm, I'm there for the guys. I want to smoke five cigars a day and they could, and, you know, and they, they could afford uh, my cigar and do it. I mean, that's what we're here for. I'm not looking to uh, break anybody's bank. I'm, I'm here to support my family, my family business, my farms, my factory, but at the same time, do it in a way that people could really enjoy it. So that's kind of, you know, we have other unique cigars, the projects of premium lines that are a little bit more higher price point, but there's a lot more that goes into them. So, but thank you. I appreciate that. No, absolutely. I mean, it's well-deserved. Well uh, I mean, the other thing too, we talked about this last time. I know you've slept since since Take 91, obviously, but we talked a lot about your vin the work with vintages, right? And that's where that's where yeah. you put the year on it. So it has that badge that we just talked about, but the year, this is, 20, this is a 2021 box, for example. Um, yes. All of our boxes going back 20 years, you'll see that it'll say the year the, the, the year the cigar was made. On the back of the box, you'll find that it's the date of the packaging. So the way I work is that from that date that you had, those cigars were made six months before that year, that, that packaging date. So oh, that's wow. the way. So yeah, the cigars are made six months prior to that packaging date. And then the year of production will fit with um, when the cigars were packed. So in reality, so if I'm, if I'm reading this right, it's a 2021 box, the date yeah. on the back is July 1st, 2021. So if I'm reading, if I'm understanding you correctly, these were made in January of 21. So they're, they're, uh, well, I guess over a year and a half old at this point. That is correct. That's the oh, way wow. the package. Wow. Okay. And I just recently bought this box. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, are there 20? So, okay. Now I'm interested. Um, are there 2022 boxes of Corojo number five now on the shelf or will those come later? Uh, so we're in August. So yeah, they should be hitting the shelves by now. I mean, okay. I haven't kept have a system where our packaging will start. And so the production of 2022 should be, you'll, you should have found, you'll be able to find some boxes now, 2022. Right. So that's, that's really fantastic. I, and I, and I love the, what you're just talking about, how you're, you, you're you're the guy for the for the guy or the gal who wants to smoke five six cigars a day right and that's that's the way that you guys have have kind of always built your model on it i find that really interesting because like um you guys are very you guys are still you know and i've heard you've gotten involved in this discussion before and we've had it as well um boutique you know you guys are a boutique company or a smaller company um and usually not always. And then you're obviously one of these, one of these exceptions, right? But usually when you think of boutique, that's a, a lot of times that means it's going to be more expensive, right? Because it's smaller, you know, smaller batch, craft, whatever, you know, word you want to attach to it. Um, but you went a different direction with it, um, which is, you know, it was that, was that, was that part of your dad's idea as well? Or was that, you know, in what sense? Going what direction? I don't know. To to be that to be that company for the person who wants to smoke the five six cigars a day. The so no, I mean you know intentionally um, when we were coming out with the brand, we didn't really understand the market. I mean we were just a cigar factory, a cigar brand, and we're like anyone starting a business in the U.S. And you know, and, and, and I, I like to tell people a story because it's it's a very nice honest story about 
how you're trying to bring a product, get into an industry that, you know, in a, in a segment of the industry that we didn't understand, we, we knew how to make cigars, we knew, you know, the farming process, but creating a brand here in the U.S., um, we felt that being competitive with the cigars that really were out there um, that could, of course, at the time, you know, there were more name brands that were at that price point that we felt that we could compete because we had a good product. We didn't want to gouge a consumer. And we felt that introducing it at that price point, you know, a lower price point would help us to get more distribution. So like any business, we felt that lower price point, more volume would do better for the brand as at the beginning. So it's interesting how that that decision kind of kind of shaped the future in a lot of ways. But that yeah. still but that still didn't take away from all these projects that we've been talking about. I'm going to try to stay away from the U word uh, for the rest of this interview. Uh, but it, it, these, these, these really, really outstanding projects that you've done over the years. I mean, you, you mentioned, um, you mentioned the artist that made the, the piece behind you and, you know, who also did the, uh, the boxes for the Zulu zoo project, which is in, I mean, we talked about this last time, but I mean, it, it's an incredible, incredible. I, I don't think anyone else has, really dove into this. What was it about that cause that really spoke to you as a person? Well, the original Zulu project came about really finally having an opportunity to create something special. I mean, you know, now that, you know, like any business, you're trying to develop a brand, you're getting out there into the market, you're succeeding. And so you're finally starting to see the waters, you know, lore that you could breathe and you could really kind of get the creative juices going and i thought i always felt that there should always be a cigar with a cause and i mean you know i'm not the first one of course but there's always there's always many causes that need to be brought up and um so the first one was at the time which ended up being a big big thing was the the child soldiers in africa so the original zulu zulu um had the child soldiers and it happened that i met an artist um that did the uh, some pretty graphic uh, images for for the time people didn't like it and i always felt that the message should always tell the truth and so i packaged the zulu zulu project with my private blend and i wanted to create something that made people talk and, you know, sometimes seeing reality, I got a lot of comments where, why would you put kids on, with soldiers on the box of boxes? I mean, on, on the cover of the boxes or on the lids. And I was like, well, I got you to talk about the problem. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of what spurred the continuation of the next project with the Mas Boss, where, you know, we got together with the artist and he was actually adopted from an orphanage in Colombia and we donated. So every time the, 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 the Zulu Zulu project kind of, comes out it's to really participate and help in some way to get back somehow mm -hmm. and so it's it's a unique project which i think has a very unique blend once again the word um the flavors of the cigar are really good and i always thought you know just giving back just focusing on something that's that would really kind of resonate with someone and and then that someone later on could do something like i'm doing uh, whether it be wines or chocolates. I mean, you know, it's just continuing that, that process of educating people and letting them know. And then hopefully you'll find someone that could do more than you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
it, w- it was very powerful because I remember I was working retail at the time that that project came out and there were a lot of people upset about it. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and you got, you said you got that reaction, but, and this, I, and mind you, George, I'm ne- at this point, I had never had, I had never met you and yeah. I hadn't had a conversation with you yet. And I mean, I knew the, I knew the backstory, right. You know, obviously of why, why you did it. And, and, it's funny. I remember having this conversation with one of my customers. He's like, I don't know why you would do that. And I said, well, it got you to, got you to think about it. Didn't it? Maybe that's what he was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true. And I mean, look, I never, I never really kind of with that project, I never really done it. And uh, in, in essence to capitalize from it. It's just really to kind of bring people's attention to maybe there's other other issues that, that, that need to be addressed. And I mean, you know, it's just a talking piece and being around so many cigar shops for as long as I have, there's never a better conversation than a conversation at a cigar shop. And if you could get that one guy to really kind of let other people know, I mean, that, that was the way that I thought the message could be spread. And so that, that, that's the reason for that particular project was just to continue the conversation. Right. Well, and well, I think well, you got controversial reaction from it. I think you, I think you accomplished the goal. I mean, yeah, I, I really do. Um, you know, it's look, it's not a positive message. It's not meant. It's not a feel good story. You know, it's not meant to make you feel good about it. It's, 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 it's to bring attention to a very, very, very serious topic. And I, um, and I for one, I mean, I for one, and was proud to be associated with it just because. Because it is something that um, Invisible Children did a great job of of bringing it to light, and that became such a phenomenal sensation. Is kind of really poor choice of words on my part, and I apologize. But I mean, it really did take the public by storm. It really brought, and so it was yeah. it was really terrific to see that. But it's still going on, and that's the shame. That's the, that's the tragic thing about it. So. Um, are do you are you involved with Invisible Children at all? Have you? No, no. I mean, you know, our our idea with the original project was that we donated to them directly. We never really worked with them um, uh, together. Uh, we just felt that it was a cool message. It got bigger than I expected at the time, uh, which was very surprising because um, you know I think you know it hit of course that that global status where people wanted to, to, to help and participate. But I don't know if, you know, once people saw it, did it help? I, I think it just, I don't know how that happened, but we just wanted it to donate originally just to that. That was all. You know, George, I've gotten to know you a little bit over the years uh, and, and you've, you've, you've already always been very modest about, you know, your work and, and, the contributions that you've made to the industry and outside of it. Um, I'm, I recently heard in, in, like I said, I recently heard an interview of your, that you did and uh, a moniker was placed on you. And I, um, I was wondering how you were comfortable with it. Uh, and the moniker, it was very positive. You oh, were referred okay. to, you were referred to as a, a, as a pioneer, as one of the pioneers or a pioneering uh, um, person in the boutique cigar world That's and nice. and I, uh, I i i mean i'll confess i 
it, when it when it was said, I was like, man, I wish I had thought of that because that that makes so much sense to me, and I agree with that statement. Are are you? Are I mean, are you comfortable with that description? No, no. I mean, you know, I'm happy that, that I've I've heard it before, but it, it's kind of I'm I'm very modest when it comes down to. I, I, I take pride in my projects. I take mm -hmm. uh, a lot of time with them. Um, I'm that person that I've always been that, you know, I make cigars for that one person that's celebrating something. And, and if I'm part of you through that, you know, with my cigars, it makes me happy. That's really what it comes down to. But I guess, you know, having been here and seeing the industry, what it was and what, what became and the projects that I developed, I think maybe, you know, people have taken some of the stuff that I've done and maybe done a better job, I guess, maybe that's, that's great to be mentioned in that sign, uh, you know, with that name, I just never really thought about it. I mean, I'll just continue to just do me until I am, you know, I can't. Because I enjoy it. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's what I do. It's the passion that I have for cigar making. Um, and it's something that I'm going to continue to do as long as I can. Absolutely. Um, um, I, I can't wait. We're going to, we're, I have a couple more questions here and then we're going to take a break with the fun segment. And then we're going to talk about the cigar that I'm smoking. Um, cool. But uh, I, I think you're, you're onto something there. This is kind of a segue to that's something that, um, as I was thinking about tonight's show and I was thinking about tonight's interview, a couple of things, topics that I wanted to tackle with you is um, I, I was thinking about how you, you mentioned like how a, every factory kind of has a signature. And we've talked about that on this show a numerous time with numerous guests. Like there's a, there's a signature to a Gran Habano cigar. There's a signature to a Drew Estate or an Espinosa or something like that. Like they have that one thing you can always kind of associate but one of the things that when i was thinking about grand habano was that you know when it comes to vitolas you've you've been able to execute at a very high level throughout the spectrum of vitola i mean you have the big gauge cigar which smokes incredibly well and doesn't and i i'm not a big gauge fan i do smoke some of your big gauge cigars because i actually do like them they're flavorful they're fantastic but then like the mod 60 i mean we'll talk about that here in a second this uh i mean is that a perfecto am i i don't want to i don't want to mischaracterize this so i mean you could consider that a perfecto um or, or you could consider a salomon but technically it's its own thing now which is the type mod 60 which is right. a modified ring gauge right um but i mean if you look at it you could probably semi-perfecto semi-salomon Right. And then like, I mean, the Lanceros, we've talked about the Zulu Zoo project. Uh, well, yeah. and you've done that. The, uh, and then one of my favorite projects that you did, I, I and oh God, I, I, I've been, is the, I, I'm going to, my, I'm testing my memory here. The Tres Magos, right? The, the Culebra you did. That's oh, the, the, the Culebra. Yeah. The, the Tres Reyes Magos. That's an actually a really cool story of how that became, but, that's the three wise men and mm -hmm. it was the way the cigar was made yet. So yeah, for me, the idea of creating a cigar for the, you know, I always focus on doing Corona Gordas with the blending process that I do, mm -hmm. but 
important thing overall is to make sure that the consistency, whether it goes to a 70 ring gauge, is always the same. I mean, you know, I do take into account air, you know, uh, how much filler overcomes the, the, the binder and wrapper. So with those technical aspects, you always want to make sure that the blend is always be consistent across the board. If not, what's the point of introducing a, a blend and then have it fail in all these different other sizes? Yeah, I, I have to imagine how challenging that that must be um, as you kind of, and I mean, we talk, I mean, the great thing is, is you acknowledge the vintage of tobacco. So I know you're constantly looking at all the paces to make sure that it works and that make sure it is consistent and everything. But that I think the, the key point here is that it's consistent across this very wide spectrum of Atolas. Um, and you start with the Corona Gorda, which is, probably a similar Rotolo that I know that a lot of other manufacturers do too. Uh, the Corona is one of my favorite sizes too. Yeah. Um, but um, I think that that's, I mean, it just speaks to what you've been able to do in the creative process and, and, and make it work. Um, it's, it's um, like the, the, the big gauge end of it. Um was that again, keeping your consumer in mind? Was it a challenge you just wanted to take on to see if you guys could do it? Like what, what was kind of the, the genesis of that? Of the big ring gauges for Granite Bonnells? I mean, at the time there wasn't any big ring gauges. I think uh, really there was a couple of novelty ones. Like uh, I think Perdomo had a novelty, the Imenso, mm -hmm. but full production only. Um, I think, I think I mentioned it before. Um, I think it was the series R. La Gloria. Yeah. And when I came out with this, yeah, I felt that, you know, you, you could kind of still maintain, but there was, there was a segment at that time. I mean, we're talking 2003 where the biggest ring gauge was really a 50 ring gauge, maybe a 52 at most. Um, and maybe a 54. I know I had my 54 Grand Arbusto available, um, but I felt like with some of the consumers, as I was meeting them going out there, it was just not big enough cigars in our hands. And, you know, you could still get a lot more. So I've introduced a 60. Then in 2004, I did a 66. And then the 2006 or seven, we did uh, the 70 ring gauge. And then between the 60 and the 70, it was just became the craze where I think people started seeing that. There were so many 60 ring gauge Granobanos out there that they try to do the one up, right? So now I think they're up to like 90 ring gauges. But for us, I felt that the consumer could get more for the price with more filler at that time. You know, it's kind of like my, my mentality is give the consumer more. Same quality, same, qual same product. My dad hated me for it. Uh, <laughs> Oh, you're giving away all these cigar, all this tobacco for, for such a cheap price. When I can make like three cigars out of it, I said, "Yeah, but you know, you gotta, you, you gotta understand that the consumer appreciates and will be able to sell more cigars, even though we're selling, we're making less cigars with more tobacco." But you know, I just felt I always, I did have the consumer in mind at that time, yes, <laughs> to make that shorter. <laughs> The one thing that I've always appreciated about the larger ones, like the 66, for instance, is um, is just how um, wonderful that draw is. It's not yeah. airy. 
Like it's not, yeah. I'm not smoking a, a, a Padron classic Coke where it's just so much smoke, but it's also not the worst enemy of a big gauge cigar, which is, you know, that really, really snug draw. It's not that at all either. It's this, this wonderful compromise where you get a really healthy amount of smoke. Uh, and of course the, the flavors of the tobacco, but it doesn't, you, you don't smoke through it too fast. It's the not cool. eerie. Yeah. It's a cooling effect too. Yeah. That, with that, that was the reason going to bigger ring gauges that, you know, you could still, you know, at the time when we came out, we were considered a full body cigar and I really wanted to do a cigar that was, you know, a little bit cooler. You still have that same strength, but you know, it just wasn't so hot, you know, like when you get to like some Corona's or even Lanceros, depending on the blends that they'll be strong and hot and they're, so they're overwhelming. And I, that was kind of one of the reasons going also to the big ring gauges. I've been smoking it for so long. I'm trying to like, I, I wouldn't consider them strong now, but I, I, yeah, like I'm going back in the memory bank and thinking about that. And I think that's, I think that's, I mean, that's, that's interesting. That's an interesting observation. I never even thought yeah. about it. More medium body because I mean, you know, everything has changed introduction of, as an example, like originally Brazilian rapper. I mean, I, I you know, the, the, the Pennsylvania stuff has not really changed and brought the level of strength higher. True. Uh, yeah. A lot different. Interesting. Well, we're going to get into some of these latest projects here uh, after we take this quick break and uh, have a little fun with our uh, United Cigar presidential segment. Uh, so, uh, George, we're going to have some fun with U.S. presidents. Uh, the, I'm going to ask you a question. Don't worry, it's multiple choice. Uh, right. But uh, this has been a fun segment that we've been doing on the show for a few weeks now. And uh, it's uh, just to kind of... Uh, just, you know, throw a little wrench into our show and have a little fun. I love presidential trivia. It's like one of my, like, it's just one of my things. Um, right. And so when United Cigar came to me with this idea and uh, I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'm all about it. So, um, so tonight's segment, of course, is always brought to you by United Cigars featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and now the highly, ad, uh, the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and Alfonso lines. So smoke once a day and start living united so uh tonight's question george is in your honor there have only been three presidents with the name george um, but it is one of the more popular presidential names even though there's only been three of them george washington george herbert walker bush and of course his son george w bush uh have all been presidents of the united states so we're going to go back to the middle one george herbert walker bush early 90s uh served one term um but there are uh, the first Bush was a very, very unique person, and he had really there's there's a lot of cool trivia about him. Um, so I'm going to give you three choices, and you tell me which one is not true, not true oh. about George Herbert Walker Bush. Okay, this is George W.'s dad. So was he a the youngest pilot in Navy history at the age of 18? B Pitched against Babe Ruth in an exhibition, or or C, struck it big financially in the oil business before entering politics. Which one is not true? B. That is correct. He did not pitch against Babe Ruth in an exhibition. He did play baseball at Yale. He was actually a very accomplished baseball player. Um, And he did meet Babe Ruth at one point. I knew that. 
um, but he did not actually pitch against it. He actually met Babe Ruth actually a couple months before Babe Ruth actually passed away, uh, believe it or not. So it wasn't. Uh, That's it a wasn't, cool one. Yeah. But yeah, the, the youngest pilot in Navy history at 18, he served, uh, he served with uh, distinction in World War II. It's unbelievable. Um, shot down as well. Uh, was captured, was a POW and everything too, but um, uh, ran a, and ran a really, really interesting life before he kind of, well, I mean, even in politics, you know, becoming president and everything too, but uh, yeah, decided like when he graduated from Yale, he could have done anything uh, comes from a very, you know, wealthy family. And, and, uh, but he was like, no, I'm going to go this, do this, my thing. I'm, I'm going to go into the oil business. And this, mind you, this wasn't like the turn of the century, 1900s, you know, where, you know, people were striking it big in oil like that like that had already been established to go on your own was kind of a huge risk and he went and found it you know 19 1950s and and uh found his fortune in oil before he went into politics so pretty 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 crazy yeah pretty cool so um so here's a question about your name george that i've always wanted to know um have you adopted the more i guess um, we'll call it Anglican spelling of George. Like, is it, no. is it okay? That, that's what you were named. No, no, no. That was my name in, from Columbia. It was actually, if I'm remembering correctly, my mother said she was in love with some Italian singer and she gave me the name Giorgio, but they changed to George when we came to the U.S. But it was always spelled George. I was something like that. Okay. <laughs> I, I was thinking about that today as I was putting together this trivia question. I was like, I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask him this because I, I was like, have, have, have we, I mean, obviously that's how you spell your name. So I won't say we have, we been spelling your name wrong, but I didn't know no. if there was originally uh, the, the Jorge version of George, but no, it's always been George. That's great. I think it's the Jorge's. I mean, I think it's, it's the same, but you know, I do get offended when I get called Jorge as opposed to George. Only oh. The Spanish pronunciation of the, the J to the G are totally different. So I, get that but i don't mind i don't get that insulted but <laughs> um yeah i was just always i was always interested about that so um it's um now how old were you again when you came uh to to the united states from columbia 11 11 okay yeah wow um was the uh i mean you were a kid so like kid, kids are always resilient and everything was there what was like what was the biggest change for you like what was the big like if you can remember? Well, culturally, it was it was very different because I mean you know being around a very homogenous sort of Colombian society and coming to Miami, it was very um, a lot of different cultures: Cuban culture, uh, Puerto Rican, Dominicans, um, you know, which is still Latin culture, but it was very different. Um, I did live in in New Jersey for quite some time in Union City before, so my that. The U.S. went to New Jersey, went back to Columbia, and then came to Miami. Um, so that's how we kind of moved around, and it was very, you know, I, I I think it was more the English that was more difficult for me outside of that. I think, you know, you're Brazilian, you're around people that are very similar to you when you come to Miami. So um, just culturally, everybody, even though we're all Latins, we're all different in one some way. So. Yeah probably just getting accustomed to other, other Latin cultures. Yeah. One of, it's one of uh, probably my biggest pet peeve because my, my, 
my mother's side of the family is Mexican. And, okay. and uh, that's one of the things that always used to drive me up the wall was like how people think that all Latin culture is the same. Yeah, and, no, monolithic <laughs> for sure. We're all different, which is good. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a common language, even though, um, you know, not not always because, um, you know, there's just different dialects and different words that mean different things and everything. But like, not even like like Brazilians are Latino, but they speak Portuguese. So they don't even speak Spanish. So it's like, no, we're not all. We're definitely not all the same. Um, yeah, I've I've always I, that's always been the one thing that's that that that's always bothered me uh, about the association of being Latin. But um, one of the, uh, I remember you I remember you lived in New Jersey at a time uh, for a time. Did, did you and then did you come back to Florida for school or did you guys just move as a family back back to Florida or? So we lived in 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 New Jersey for some time and. Um, went back my father didn't like the cold weather and moved back and then you know things were doing well and then you know of course it's the 90s and you know the crime there was a lot of instability i came from from an area where it's just more cattle ranching farming area and you know gorillas and the whole drug thing was and so i actually my brother and myself were threatened to be kidnapped so my mom had me on a flight like thereafter to to miami and that's where my dad wanted to come because he always heard that it was cool because, you know, he watched Miami Vice. So he thought Miami <laughs> was much warmer and better. And so Miami was a good idea. And so I came here and, you know, we, we basically kind of left everything behind and really came back with nothing to the U.S. and started from scratch. It was kind of a, one of those things where you guys, we, we went back consequently later and sold the lands and everything but when we came we just the second time around we just it wasn't it wasn't as pleasant as you would would think so it's crazy i know i had i never heard that uh sorry about you guys almost being kidnapped that's an unbelievable yeah my younger uh, ter- terrifying terrifying oh my yeah. gosh now i am um just she got the phone call and then she just the same day we were we were gone <laughs> so it's kind of unfortunate. It's crazy. Well, that uh, that uh, this obviously took a different direction, but that was our that was our presidential uh, trivia question for the night. Uh, always brought to you by, of course, United Cigars, uh, featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. Um, so George, we we were talking about your Colombian background. So let's dive into this because uh, this this cigar that I'm smoking here uh, is the Gran Habano 20th anniversary uh, Capitolio uh, uh, Uno on the label. Chapter one. Chapter one, and uh, uh, we'll get into that in a second. But the, uh, I took off the footband, obviously, to light the cigar. It, it's a a gorgeous, gorgeous packaging. Uh, there's this. There's this classic element to it. It looks as a very, but it's also it. It's when I when you say classic, you're like, it's not though. It like it does not look like a you know uh, an old timey cigar or anything. It's very vibrant. It pops. It's it's a beautiful beautiful label and everything. What um, obviously there were a lot of a lot went into it. You're wearing you're wearing the shirt as well too. A lot went into the design for it. It is still very, I would call this very Gran Habano esque. Very simple yet elegant. 
in the terms of yeah. the packaging and the branding. Uh, but what uh, what went into uh, all the design for it, and what what, what were you guys going for? Because I think you guys just hit it out of the park. I appreciate it. Well, what we were going for is it's a very sort of traditional uh, regal finish, but I like a very clean. You know, when it comes to some of my projects and, and having the 20th anniversary, I wanted to keep it as simple as possible with some of the details, but just really highlight the product highlight the wrapper, keep it to three colors. I think if you notice the gold and a foil um, just are very minimal, even though they stand out, I try to, uh, you know, I, I broke it up as much as I could, but designing it, I, I really wanted to just make, make the name pop. And in doing so, I ended up leaving it all white <laughs> and as simple as I could. And I just thought, all right, let me just frame it. Um, and then that was, that, that's what went through the design. So I appreciate the fact that you, that, that you took notice on that. Um, with all my bands, I really focus on the details. And to, like I said, to tell a story, usually with the name of the cigars, the brand itself or the 20th anniversary or something. But when I name my cigar, uh, the Bitolas, mm -hmm. they'll say the meaning of the whole project. So, that, you know, you could start with the Robusto, which is the dream. Uh, the Toro is the El Desafio, which is actually the struggle. And okay. then and then the 6x60, six six, I called it the triumph because it's, it's just basically accomplishing, succeeding for 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was the name, you know, so I always sort of try to tell a story through the size of the cigars. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm smoking the, um, the struggle. Um, yeah, and um, I, I, th I think the size absolutely works, and so I'm really excited to try the robusto, obviously, because uh, that's one of my favorite vitolas um, for the most part. And I, I know the six will be good, but you also have another size that you're offering in very limited quantities for. I, I believe it's an event only cigar, yeah. which is the Corona, correct? What, and yeah. what's the name for what's the name for that vitola? Or is it just the Corona? Or no, 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 that has a name. It's my mind right now because i named it um and it was it was the, the fourth name I, and i'm sorry i'm not prepared for it but it was something that i okay. but that i named it i can't believe i just forgot I, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's my fault i put you on the spot george i apologize no it's just i moved on to the next project that i'm working on which is the the, the one that's going to be coming out for my birthday this year but you got me on that one <laughs> i just can't remember right now but it was a very unique name to it I do want to talk about the birthday cigar here in just a second, but I mean, so chapter one is a prominent on the, on the label too. I, I can make certain assumptions about it, but I don't want to do that. I mean, what, what does the chapter one represent to you and why, why did you place it so prominently under the 20th anniversary on the label, of the cigar? I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like the cigar was, it's, 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 it's what's just 20 years of, 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 creating a brand and really sort of focusing on, 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 you know, survival really with like any brand, right. You know, any new product uh, for like 10 years is just continuing to stay in business. Uh, that struggle was part of my chapter. Um, the time that I was away from Grand Abano's to me uh, was a different chapter because, you know, of course, working with family, sometimes you don't see eye to eye coming back, 
re-engaging with, with, with the brand and then taking it to the next level. And I think that's one chapter of Grand Abano's that was very unique. And you should always sort of, sort of, you know, put end and beginning to that. And then you now move on to the next chapter of Grand Abano's and, and we're writing that now. Right. Um, what, what's the next chapter, the next, hopefully 10 or 20 years will continue to tell the story. So that's, that was the reason why I wanted to go back for myself and look back and be like, wow, all this that happened for 20 years, how much has gone, how much water has gone under the bridge that you, you know, you've seen and all these things that have occurred. And it was just a special time for me to celebrate all that. Absolutely. I'm so this is a, the wrapper on this is a, is a, is a, is from the Jalapa Valley region. It's, it's a Rosado uh, wrapper, Nicaraguan tobacco, obviously. Yeah. Um, there's a Nicaraguan binder. Um, yeah. But some really, really interesting tobaccos in the filler, uh, Nicaraguan, Peruvian. And this is where I was kind of bringing this full circle to our discussion about Colombia. You also have Colombian in the filler as well. Um, I have to imagine that was intentional. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, it's always been intentional for us as Colombian, you know, as farmers of tobacco in Colombia, we've always showcased in a lot of our blends, the tobacco that we grow in Colombia, you know, and it's mostly of course, Cubita. Uh, but, you know, it's been always very prominent, you know, all of our blends to showcase uh, what we, what my family has done. So um, we've always carried that in a lot of our blocks. Right. So I'm about through the halfway point of this cigar, George, and I said I was going to share my thoughts on it. And um, I, I love that the vibrant aroma that I mentioned at the very onset is still very mm-hmm. present. It's, it's, it's present, you know, as the smoke bills off the foot, it's present on the retrohale. It's a really vibrant sweetness. Like I said, there's this floral component which I associate with Peruvian tobacco. It, there's this very distinct flavor that I get out of Peruvian tobacco that has that floral component, that citrus component, that fruity component. But this yeah. is different. This is more, more there's an in, more intensity to it that makes this really, the balance of the cigar incredibly interesting. Uh, you really get that jalapa sweetness that people talk about from the wrapper. I mean, when the moment you put your lips to, this, to the wrapper, uh, and as you're during the smoking experience, I get a lot of that. I, there's just the right amount of spiciness to it to really balance. I yeah. really, I enjoyed it the first time, George. I'm really enjoying it the second time. It's fantastic. I, I really, really, really enjoyed this. I'm not saying this just because you're on my show. I'm, I know this may not be for everybody, but it hits home for me. I really, really am loving this blend. You did a fantastic job. I mean, you know what? We sent out, I mean, we are only opening up 200 stores. We we really can't produce that many of these cigars with our regular production, but we wanted to give it out to 200 of our best retailers that supported the brand for uh, 20 years. You know, there's a couple of new ones on there. And the comments back from the retailers texting me have been really overwhelming, has made me extremely happy. Uh, because of the fact that I think this is a cigar that people could really appreciate the blend. And, you know, it, it was not a very full body cigar. It's more in a medium body. 
but I've always been someone that's in love with the floral aspects of a blend and a little bit of spice and pepper, but always that sweet and mellow. Mm -hmm. um, floral for me is kind of one of the things that I'm focusing on uh, more lately with my blends. And as I progress, I think, you know, you'll, you'll see that a lot of my blends sort of blend in the floral with strength as much as possible. Interesting. So we mentioned about that, that, the, that what I get out of Peruvian tobacco, it's pretty typical. Um, Jalapa being, you know, has this sweet component that that's pretty, pretty indicative of Jalapa tobacco. Um, I was thinking about this and I know I've, I've smoked plenty of your cigars and I've smoked plenty of cigars that use Colombian tobacco. What would you, def what's a defining characteristic of like what, you know, if you, this must be diff very difficult for you because how prominent it is for you, but like, what's a defining characteristic of Colombian tobacco, at least for your palate? Like what, what do, would people taste in Colombian typically? I think you'll find a very floral um, the flavor to it. I mean, it does add to a blend depending on how you use it. Um, but you know, it contributes sort of a woody finish to a cigar. Um, that's something that I happen to always find. Um, so when you're looking, you know, the problem is, is that you really know, you really have to know how much to use. I mean, you could always go wrong with any tobacco, but there's some tobaccos that if not blended well, uh, could really ruin a blend. And this is kind of one of those tobaccos, in my opinion, that you really need to know what you're doing in order to contribute to a blend. And it depends, too. I mean, you know, if it's a milder blend with Colombian using Dominican tobaccos, it could help. But it all depends on how much you're using, just like Nicaraguan tobaccos is, are more forgiving if you use Colombian with some of the strengths that they have in flavor. So it doesn't really kind of let it get out of overwhelm the blend. So it, it, it kind of all depends on how you use the Colombian. Okay. That's, I, I guess I've, I guess I've, I've never broken it down. I've, I've smoked some, like some farm rolls of, of different tobaccos. I've never had the opportunity to do Colombian. So I, like I never really had a, a good handle on that specifically, but that makes sense as I've kind of smoked through your cigars and stuff and, and, and smoking this one in particular. Um, it's just extraordinarily balanced too, which I find, you know, even though that, that floral is very, it's very prominent and, but it's not on the mouth too, which is great. Cause floral, floral tobacco, like if, if a cigar is very heavy with Peruvian, again, with my experience with Peruvian, like it tends to dry out my palate, that floral, yeah. just kind of dry the the floral component of this cigar will very, very apparent aromatically. It's not on the mouth. It's not in the, the actual mouthfeel of it. It's really interesting. Kind of one of the things that I really look for a cigar when I'm smoking a cigar is that it has a very clean finish, right? It could give you a lot of flavor on the front side and then back. I like that. I like the floral approach to it. But I really don't like making cigars that have a really strong pugnant sort of finish in the mouth. And that's what sort of maybe you'll find in a lot of my blends that you know they have a very smooth creamy finish that then you could once you re-inhale you could kind of taste it again and that's what i focus with a lot of my blends is to make sure that the second puff third puff is always you're going to be able to find different flavors 
and it's not overwhelming. So that's sort of my focus on blend, making a cigar blend. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it, it's, it's incredibly well done. I, I, I really enjoyed the first one I had George and, and this is, this is no different. I just, it's such a great experience. Um, I'm really looking forward to people smoking this cigar and getting their, getting people's takes on it. Cause it's, it's, <laughs> um, I said, I wasn't going to, I said, I was going to try to use the, go the rest of the show without using the word. It's very different in a very, very, in a very wonderful way. So incredibly interesting. I love it. So uh, congratulations, George. Uh, just un- unbelievable job. Good. Thanks. I mean, you know, every, every project that I make, I always try to make it as different as possible with a little bit of a signature of, okay, this is this, but I could see where it's a granite bottle. And that's kind of like my focus. Okay. Makes sense. So you, you alluded to it a second ago because you said you've been moving, you've, you're moving on to the next project, which is the birth, your birthday cigar that you're putting together. We talked a little bit about it at the trade show this year, uh, but that's also very special as well. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that project and I guess when, when you're hoping to, uh, to release it and, and everything, if you can. So, you know, having, having uh, been in the business for 20 years and always working in my factory, I always felt that I could do more blending wise, you know, because you're, you're more focused on, on doing your business. And, you know, of course, the inventories and your catalog of tobaccos that you have available. And I always thought that I could do more with working with other people. Um, so really, a lot of my new projects are probably going to be more of, of collaborations. And I felt that going out, really working with someone that had unique tobaccos. And when I say unique, the manufacturer that I'm working with, um, which is a separate factory out of Dominican, which is another thing that I wanted to do. I wanted to work with Dominican tobacco. Um, I started this project about just going on a, a year and a half ago. And I wanted to do not a Gran Habano. I wanted to continue the George Rico brand that, that mm-hmm. I came out with. American Pure a few years back. Yeah. So with the uh, Tabadon factory out of Nicaragua, I mean, out of Dominican, um, they do have a factory in Honduras, but I'm working out of the Dominican Republic and, you know, using their tobaccos with my blending, uh, which was very unique. So I felt that they gave me full range to create what I would do at my factory with their tobaccos. And that this is what that cigar is. So that's going to be out. Uh, pretty much coming around the corner within the next 60 days. We're going to be putting it out there, letting everybody know uh, what it's all about. I think you got a chance to try it at the trade show. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys book it, but I think it, 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 it does set a very unique flavor for that particular manufacturer that is totally different than they do. And, and I don't know, I, I, I just... I like the project. I think it's really nice. Really nice mix mishmash. Yeah, that's of two different. I, I really like true collaborations in that regard because you, you get to you get to see the what I feel like in a lot of case uh, in some cases when they're really special. You can pick up the the signatures that we've been talking about. The signatures of both yeah. that make it a completely different experience. So this 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 point about your birthday cigar. This is going to sound so self self congratulatory but i do have it I actually have a legitimate question about it at the end of it so 
I, I know that, um, like, I know this, uh, this project started after I had the opportunity to interview you and uh, Klaus Kellner on a show that we did with Coop together. And the whole point was to talk about the difference of ma- manufacturing cigars in different countries. And uh, yeah. it was, a, it, the show ended up, uh, the, what it originally was intended to be, we were going to bring in Nicaragua as well. Unfortunately, our other guest wasn't able to make it that night because of an emergency. It was terrible, but it ended up being this really, really wonderful conversation with you and Klaus talking about these two different manufacturing styles. What, um, and I could see, I, I remember this very clearly, like your, your interest in everything that Klaus was talking about that night was, was very genuine. Um, uh, not that other people aren't genuine, but like you were, you were, you were almost like you were almost being a, you were almost a student that night. And I was picking up on that. Now, was that the, was that the turning point for you? Or are you, have you always been interested in a project kind of like this with Dominican tobaccos? And this just kind of gave the opportunity to take it that step or, or, or was it a turning point for you? Well, I mean, for me, I always felt that, you know, in, 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 in all honesty, I mean, there's been a lot of great tobaccos that I've smoked out of Dominican. There's a lot of great cigars, but as a manufacturer that's, in the, that's independent and it's not in, in Dominican, I never really had access to great tobaccos from Dominican. So I always kind of looked down on the fact that I could never produce a cigar that I felt would be great utilizing Dominican that I would purchase on my own. And I felt that, you know, with that conversation, really kind of understanding that there was more to it that I've never really looked at. I mean, I mean I've gone to Dominican, um, you know, Dominican, the, their festival is phenomenal. I recommend anyone that has an opportunity to one of the best cigar festivals in the world. Um, and, you know, going there and really seeing how they do cigars and how they grow tobacco, really having an understanding but I never really had the opportunity into that moment. And so it might be considered a turning point where I was more open-minded about the fact that there was something that I finally could see. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those where you give up, we're like, well, you know, I only have access to this because, and I don't think it's good enough and not really understanding what other people are doing at that point in time for me, it was like, wow, I, now it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Now I, to make a cigar that i would enjoy in dominican republic and that's that's when yeah there's kind of i always wanted to do that but i didn't know if i could ever do it that's awesome yeah yeah, yeah. Um, well like i said I, I the way that i had just the way i was starting that question i was like i'm not trying to i really am not trying to pat myself on the back here or anything but i like i i was observing you that night and it was just it was it was a very it was a very organic um, conversation between the yeah. four of us that just it, it it I had this expectation of it um, being pretty high for the show, um, and it, it really exceeded my expectations because of just how uh, how wonderful of a conversation it was that night. And appreciate I'm really that. I'm no I'm, no I appreciate you, and I'm I'm for contributing so much to it, and and the fact that you got something out of it too um, is. is it's very inspiring um, in a lot yeah. of, in a lot of ways. So I'm I'm really excited about that project as well. That'll be that'll be fun to to see and everything. So um, earlier this year, and I'm about to I'll be lighting it up probably here in a few moments as well. Um, the uh, 
you you introduced a, a new um i guess a, a new a new direct or a new chapter or whatever with the we have already mentioned a couple of times tonight the persian king type mod 60 yeah. um which is a obviously very very try try not to use the word this is going to be this is going to be terrible very very different cigar as well we talked about this the high it's a hybrid of the tolas we kind of described it earlier um so here's my question it's double capped uh yes. you know one's tapered end and um, one's not what what end do i do we light and what end do we cut so you know that that's kind of goes back to to what makes it a type mod 60 that this cigar is is meant for you to be able to smoke it from either end um so oh really okay is is that i was able to create two different blends within one cigar um so it's more of an approach of strength and flavors depending on how you light the cigar so one end will start out heavier than the other end. So if you light it from the other end, it'll start out smoother and then builds up. And it's very intentional and you'll be able to be, you'll be able to, within the middle of the cigar, see the transition. Okay. Um, the idea was that if you started from the torpedo end, which is, I, I, I call it more the, the, the tapered end, mm -hmm. you, you cut that. But if you want to do a hole punch and light, the torpedo end uh, and, and hole punch the bottom, which is the more rounded, more traditional, what people call parejos, mm -hmm. uh, then you'll get a different flavor overall and a different cigar. So you get two cigars in one. Um, and then this is actually a project that I, I, I did back in 2008. And um, it, was, it was different for its time. Um, and then the errors that I did in order for it to work, I think you'll find here finally, uh, 14 years later. So this is great. So, um, a couple questions about this. So the, uh, this is, a uh, um, the tobacco from this is very unique as well. Cause it's all of your, it's all your tobacco. Correct. Uh, yeah. percent from your Nicaraguan farms. Correct. Um, yeah. so I, I thought the oh excuse me George I thought I thought the lighter shade the lighter tobacco on the on the wrapper the ends was clearly I was mistaken I thought it was, it was Ecuadorian Connecticut but it's not it's 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 all Nicaraguan so that's a lighter uh, Nicaraguan wrapper um, originally the the regular Persian King uh, did come with the Connecticut on this one is on Nicaraguan that little taper is a very light uh, uh, criollo. Uh, that you'll see on there. Okay. So okay. The, it's a little bit lighter than the regular Habano. And I made just one blend, not a Maduro. This is just a, a Habano wrapper. Um, so Persian King, and you also did another project after the Persian King was originally released, not this cigar. This is the latest iteration of the Persian King, but you yep. had the, the, the Persian queen as well. Yeah. Um, so this is something again i've always wanted to ask what persia is there's is there a fascination there or what what the, the 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 genesis of the name like where where did that come from in your creative process <laughs> well there's, there's there's a long funny story with the name of the persian king um but there's always been a fascination for me with history um, i've always been a huge fan of history um feel that there's a lot to learn 
And usually when I've done a lot of my projects are sort of showcasing like the new cigar that you're going to uh, see for October, um, it's focused on a lot of historical aspects of it. And with uh, the Persian King, I really always wanted to use that name. It so happens that when I used it, it was uh, to really <laughs> get back at someone. Um, so that being said, I, uh, I felt that, you know, a lot of history goes um, with this cigar and, and the way it kind of tied in together with the blend kind of really made the project stand out. Okay. Um, yeah. I was, I, w- I always found that fascinating because you like, you have these, these, uh, these mis these mismatch of cu- cultures too. Like I said, we, we talked about this at the top of the show where I said, where you have, there's this cohesiveness of brands, that, yeah. but this really you're able, you're able to separate them in a lot of ways and they're not, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel mismatched. Like La Conquista looks nothing like Gran Habano, uh, you know, like the, the Corojo number five, for example. Um, but yet it doesn't feel so strange, especially when you smoke it, because again, we talk about that signature, right. Yeah. Um, as well. So like, and then, and the same thing with like Zulu Zulu, the Persian King as well too. And so it, it, it's, it, it was always, it was always something that I wanted to, to discuss with you just because I, I am, a student of history as well uh, as as you as you obviously have picked up on, but uh, um, I I really I really have always liked the the project itself. I like and I'm really interested to. I have not smoked any of these yet, and I'm excited to. And now I'm gonna now that I can uh, smoke them two different ways. Yeah, make it even more interesting. No, it's it's, it's a great smoke. I mean, it's I think it's definitely very different um, in the sense that you're able to. If you like, if not, you can stick to your traditional, um, you know, hole punch it and and go, but um, or the tapered end. But I, I just really thought that it would be something special for someone to just change it up, you know, mm-hmm. just have fun, but a very traditional cigar. Now the the um, the Type Mod sixty, the boxes. What's the box count on these? Fifty count box. The fi- yeah, okay, because I and that's. Yeah. That's how you've done all the Persian Kings, right? They're, they're, they're larger. Uh, since back in 06 or farther back, we've always done them in 50 count boxes. It was more originally that project was for consumer uh, retailers to be able to have a cigar that, that was more off the shelf um, for them to have like a house blend. Mm-hmm. Um, as the years progressed, people really started to realize that it was more of a brand bottle brand. And, you know, with the name change and the, you know, it originally had the open shaggy foot, mm-hmm. you know, the pallet, um, we changed it to the finished foot with the Connecticut on the, uh, uh, on the bottom. And I think that really made it stand out and made it a project that people could appreciate. But I think overall that blend, it's a very sweet and mellow flavor. Um, it just delivers. I mean, you know, I gotta be honest. I think it's a cigar that's definitely, could be considered if it had a different if it had a band it could definitely be considered a twelve dollar cigar. Well that's what I was just about to say that this, this retails for seven dollars and sixty cents. And you know if you think about it if a consumer really wanted to buy a box of 50 count like at 380 bucks is not as an that's that's an intimidating number for people who are buying boxes at 25 and there's certainly 
plenty of cigars out there that that hit that hit that uh, that that benchmark with a 20 count box or 25 count box. Heck, in some cases, even smaller. Depends on how expensive the cigar is. Uh, but you know, when you think about, it, I can get fifty cigars for under four hundred dollars. Like, that's, I mean, that's a that's a that's a stellar buy. Um, and for something, you know, I mean, something very elegant looking too. You know, and very different. You know, with the two the two wrappers and and the, and the two different type of smoking experiences. I mean, I mean, yeah. that's just no, awesome. For me, it's always the the, the consumer is number one. I mean, and I don't say that. Likely, to me, every project that I've ever done has been very conscious of the consumer, whether price point, uh, whether um, the packaging, the weight, a lot of different variables to making a cigar brand or developing developing a new project. And every single one always has to be, is a price point conscious, is what are we delivering and um, are the consumer, you know, will they enjoy it? I mean, at the end of the day, that's all I look forward to. So um, to to go back to this year's trade show, just if we could believe it or not, it's it's September now, obviously. But I mean, it was only six, pretty much like six, eight weeks ago where we yeah. were in Las Vegas. And, and uh, it was a I mean, what what was your take on the show? I mean, I, we ask that question all the time and I know manufacturers say, oh, it's the best show we've ever had and everything. I'm not necessarily interested in sales numbers particularly, but like I like I thought for one, the the vibe was very kind of was a continuation of last year's where it was smaller, yes, but the vibe was very, very, very positive. Everyone wanted to be there. And um, I mean, what was your what did how did how did you feel from that perspective? I mean, you know, when it comes down to the trade show, it's kind of one of the things that I I, I hope it succeeds. I always I'm very very fearful because it's the last real trade show that's just cigars, and I mean it's been over. I mean I don't even know. I think they're past eighty years, right? I yeah, mean, from FDA when I was a kid. So I mean I, I definitely hope the the show, but I, I I do get worried because it's it's always in a smaller foot uh, footprint. It's a smaller show. Um, I don't think the support of the retailer sometimes is beneficial for the industry. I think, you know, I really wish they supported more. Um, it's always great for me to be able to go see my friends that I've seen, you know, for the last 27 years going to the trade show. Uh, that being said, um, you know, the vibe was good. Uh, I think a continuation of last year. I think the fact that we were cooked up for a year. Uh, last year and then we came out and we were all happy uh it's always good but you know i'm, I'm very fearful i'm fearful that the industry needs to support from the retailers to go to the trade show and really make it what it is i think this year i am seeing a turning the point because I, I i think a lot of people are probably stuck at home smoking a lot of cigars ordering from online retailers mm-hmm. and they're starting to realize that your local retailer is where it's at and I'm seeing that more and more, which I'm happy about that. So as an industry, you know, we need all the help we could get because it is a, a product that maybe not a lot of people enjoy, uh, that there's a lot of hate towards what we do. Um, but that being said, I think the trade show was good. Could it be better? Yes. Can, can it improve? Yes. But overall, we're still there, I guess, right? 
Yeah, I um, I thought this year. Sh- I've so my experience is vastly different from yours in terms of yeah. amount of times I've been like you've been to a trade show versus man. This was this was only my fourth trade show that I've been to, but you know the first one always kind of has a special place, I imagine, in everybody's heart. But um, I think this year was probably the best trade show that I've attended. Um, just because I think I think the positivity really played a big part in it, and I I'm glad to hear you say some of those things too, George, because I think it is very special, and it is it it is the last trade show that's just about just about the premium cigar industry, and of course there's other elements too, like you know pipes play a part of it and everything, but it's it's very much it's very much cigars, and and um, you know it it's 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 great seeing folks like you support it year after year because it is very important. Like you said, it's, it's great to see everybody kind of in person. It's like kind of that last, you know, that last kind of great gathering of, of great cigar makers. And, and if it goes away, then, you know, we, we lose that. And there's, I mean, there's plenty of multi-vendor events that happen throughout the year all over the place and stuff, but it, it's different when it's the PCA, you know? I, I think for me, it's a little bit different. Of course, as a manufacturer, it's important that a lot of people understand that there's sort of, I guess consider like sort of a spider web effect that happens when people don't realize, but I mean, you know, look, the trace exists and the art, the organization exists, but a lot of the funding that goes into the organization is actually to help retailers in your state and your city to stay open. There's always a lot of new laws that, that, that prohibit smoking. And mm-hmm. as a, if you get an opportunity, please understand that, you know, your support of that retailer and that retailer supporting the, the organization actually, in, in essence, maintains that retailer from having the ability to stay in business. So it's important. I mean, you know, so we're all, we all sort of play a part in, in the, sort of how what we do continues to exist. And it's important that people understand that because there, there's, there's an ecosystem that 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 is still survives from the support of everyone so um, not to i'm sorry not to push i don't like to ever push anything but i mean you know just always be aware that there's more when it the trace show goes away your ability to smoke in your state will go away mm-hmm. and the, of the retailer and the consumer with cra as an example it exists because of that so it's important that a lot of people understand that no, absolutely. Well, even to you know, even today, I was reading an article. There's a I can't remember the name of the city, but there's a, it happens every day. But there's a there's a town in Kentucky this week that put a ban on smoking in all public places. Yeah, and that's that's problematic uh, for a lot of people. And I, 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 it's a it's a tired it's a very tired story. Unfortunately, it's gotten told the la- over the last decade about how there's a smoking ban here and smoking ban there and everything, but. I, I think people fail to really realize the the slippery slope that we exist on today that like, okay, so if a city or a town can say no smoking in public places, which means, you know, uh, you know, there's certain and there's some in sometimes not always, but sometimes there are except exemptions, right? Cigar shops, but very rare, very, very rare. And then, but 
my argument to this is like, and, and I know smokers who feel this way. They're like, well, it's not right to me. And, you know, I, I get it. Cause I, you know, I, I think it can be intrusive to other people. And I'm like, listen, I'm all about being respectful to other people around me. I never smoke cigars where it's not welcome. Cause that's just a dick move. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm considering I'm a human being, you know, <laughs> but the, at the same time, it, it creates a slippery slope because what's the next, what's the next Avenue. The next avenue is, well, you can't smoke in your home, which that's yeah. my home. Like you have, oh, oh, they can never do that. I'm like, well, they're already doing it. They've been doing it for over a decade in New York um, because you can't yeah. smoke in a part. You can't smoke in buildings in New York. I mean, all someone has to do, I've, I've said this a thousand times now on the show, but it, it still blows my mind. I, if, cause if you live in New York city and you live in an apartment and say there's a thousand people who live in this apartment building. And that's small by New York standards. I mean, you're talking sometimes tens of thousands of people live in one apartment building, right? One person, one person can go down to city hall, fill out a city of paper, sign it. And now that building is entirely non-smoking. You can't smoke in your own private home. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those things that people don't realize. I mean, you know, it's so, Going back, now the organization has been fighting for uh, cigar rights uh, overall, you know, more at the federal level. But a lot of, for a lot of years, the organization always helped with the state and local uh, uh, situation. So it's, it's important. That being mm -hmm. said, I mean, going back to what you're saying, Chicago, um, you know, I think the rule is, I can't remember, I think it's 12 or 15 feet away from a door. You have to be in front. I mean, you're in the middle of the street if you want to smoke a cigarette in the wintertime. <laughs> right, yeah. Dodging traffic, um, Michigan you Avenue. That, you, know, um, you know, 12, 15 feet and you're on the edge. So, you know, a lot of these rules, you know, it's important that a lot of people understand um, what it is to take part in our industry and in our culture and supporting um it's what makes it more important so going back to what you were saying the trade show great great place i i really hope they change the venue i can't go to vegas for 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 10 years in a row but overall <laughs> I, I love it i mean I, I love going to the show i look forward to it it's stressful as a vendor but it's uh it's a good time of the year Vegas still holds a very special place in your heart because that's where uh, that's where you and your wife got married, though, right? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> we did. We we did the whole uh, last minute wedding sort of scenario. Uh, I really wish I would have done the Elvis thing. I regret it. <laughs> I really, yeah, being a huge Elvis fan, I really, I, I wish I would have done it. <laughs> that would have really maybe one of these days we'll go back and do it anyway. We're <laughs> <laughs> renewing a vows or something. Yeah, I'm sure that Natasha would just like to go back to Vegas just to, you know, to celebrate y'all's anniversary and not, not necessarily for the trade show. Bows again because she says it's bad luck. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, George, thank you so much for tonight. I've got a couple last minute, last questions uh, for you, but I, I really do appreciate all the time you've given me this evening. Uh, I recognize that Sunday evenings are family time and for you to step away from your family. Uh, who I know that I know you care deeply about and spend a lot of great time with uh, for you to step away for 
for a couple of hours and have a great conversation with me. It, it means the world to me. So thank you. Um, so let's go into our last uh, two questions of the night, which are a couple of our fun sponsored segments, which are well, the first one, of course, is our brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in your own personal asylum. Uh, moments like these were made for asylum cigars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge. Now, George, the, the point of this segment is that we, we've talked a lot tonight, and we do this every every show, about you, you've mentioned consumers a number of times. We've talked about no better place than a cigar show for discussion when we're talking about the Zulu Zoo project. <coughs> Community is a big part of what we do. And smoking cigars with others is a very cherished pastime. But there's something very powerful about those moments where it's just us and a cigar. Nobody else, nothing else. Maybe you're, maybe you're listening to music. Maybe you're watching your favorite TV show or film. Or maybe it's just you alone with your thoughts. But, and I know you've probably have, have had several over your lifetime, but what's one that you would like to share tonight? A moment where it was just you and the cigar. What were you smoking? And what was that moment about? Was it celebrating something? Was it not? What was that moment like? Well, I got to tell you, uh, the last one that really comes to mind was working on the 20th anniversary. And I actually posted a picture on my Instagram of a sunset over Don Lee in Honduras uh, on a mountain. It was the monkeys were screaming, how are the monkeys? And <laughs> someone put a bench to look at the sunset and I got to smoke the cigar. And it was just one of those moments where I was at peace. Um, it was very, I don't know, it was just kind of like you're just there and everything just comes into focus and you're like man it can't get any better than this <laughs> i've done all right for myself that's beautiful um i it, it's funny you mentioned nature and stuff i one of i you know every so often i love and this is why I'm, my family and i moved out to this house back in january that we're in now and uh we're we're out in the country you know and uh, it's, you know, not terribly far. It's not like, you know, we're like 15 minutes away from civilization. But it's one of the first things I noticed right off the bat was just how dark it was at night. You know, I love that. And there's something wonderful about being. A, and I, I've always it, it drives a couple of my friends crazy who I invite over to smoke. I would always turn on the porch light when, I, when we would smoke out of my patio before but I've really taken to sitting out there in complete darkness and lighting up a cigar and just, just smoking in the dark. And it's, it's pitch black, but you can hear, you can hear this, the sounds of the country. You can hear, you know, you can hear the, the crickets chirping. You can hear some birds uh, in my ear. You can hear coyotes howling, <laughs> but um, it's, it's a very, very different experience in smoking in the city that I did for so long. So I, I, I get that And nature is just weird. Like it was just beautiful that way. And then I have a second story, uh, balcony that makes for a great view of a sunset too. So sunsets are also really special too. It's, it's, it's different. It's, it hits yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. I think appreciating a sunrise and a sunset are really good. 
great pairing with the cigar for sure. So, yeah. What, um, was it, you said it was in the, when you were smoking the 20th, was, was the project done or were you, was it one of those blends where you're still working on it or? I was still working on it, but, but it was, it was the final version of it. And I worked on the blend and this is when I realized that I, that I finally, it was it. And I got, I got a number. I'm going to text you a picture of the, of the sunset. You'll, you'll understand when you're like, wow you have the time to really focus and and it was it was it it was i i understood that i had accomplished what i wanted it to that's terrific well that was of course our moment of refuge sponsored by asylum cigars remember it can be more than a physical place refuge can be a state of mind some of these moments are found in your own personal asylum. So moments like these were made for asylum cigars. So light one up and choose your refuge. So George, the last question of the night, of course, is always our curveball segment. And you kind of alluded to it earlier. So it kind of takes out a little bit of the thunder, but I wanted to ask it anyway. Our curveball segment is always brought to you by Dunbar Tobacco and Trust. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park seven consecutive years in the consensus top three. So, George, we, we've talked a lot about the unique project of the 19-foot cigar. Um, and you've had a lot, and I used it, dang it, I said the word. You've had a lot of great projects over the years that have taken you into different creative avenues, and we've alluded to that all night. So, my, my question is actually a two-parter. Okay. Is there one, one of these directions that you're really looking forward to returning to? And the second part of the question is, What's the next great challenge that you think you'd like to go down? Okay. So um, I'm currently working on the project to, I'm doing the, 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 the new uh, George Rico brand, which is actually called Elena Amigo, the enemy. That's been <laughs> out there. Uh, many reasons for that name. Um, but what I want to go back to is really focusing on a blend that I worked on years ago that we released not under Grand Habano, um, but it was, you know, the way we do our blends, we do the one, three, five. I did a number seven years ago. And it was oh. so hard because the, the, the materials were really scarce. Um, our focus, this is actually for filler. And, and the Corona. So we actually did the Corona number seven and we never released it. I mean, we did release it, but we never released it on the brand of auto name. And it was a cigar that I think would knock the boots off of anyone in flavor. Strength was up there compared to the number five. And so that's a cigar that we're going to be, that I'm working on next, bringing that cigar back. So that's a new project. Um, and, and so that's why I want to go back in that direction to do what we were sort of focusing on buff close to God, it's been 17, 18 years. Wow. Okay. Not, not uh, trying, not trying to pry unnecessarily, but what, which, uh, what, what was it released under before? Was it under the gar line or the Barracuda no, or something or the bar line? It wasn't, it was actually a private label that we did for someone. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. Really cool. 
but I mean, we, we did only 5,000 cigars. It was that hard to get the materials because, um, you know, getting wrapper from what we were farming for filler was really hard uh, in the material that we were utilizing. So that's going to be the next project that I'm going to be focusing on. Our idea, my idea is, is that we're going to be doing it uh, very limited probably for next year, but you'll be able to find it in our events. So one of the things that we're going to do, we're going to do in-store events with our product and we're going to be featuring um, that cigar to give away as an event only cigar until we're able to have enough wrapper uh, to be able to uh, make a full production of it. Um, so that's, that's sort of what I want to go back into because that was a blend that really knocked my feet. I mean, when I when I smoked it back then, I had to drink a Gatorade. It was that strong. <laughs> of course, I'm much younger. My palate wasn't as developed as it is now. It's a little bit different. Uh, but I always wanted to recreate that particular cigar. Okay. So that's that. The other part of the, the what was the other part of the question? It was a two. Uh, yeah, it was. You know, which one would you like to return to? And then what's a new? What's a project of something? something that you haven't tackled before that maybe you want to I'm not trying to hold your foot to the fire and say, Oh, George is going to be doing this. But no, is there no, some no. I mean, well, years ago I smoked and it's always been my dream to be able to create the cigar with that tobacco, but I use, I, I smoked some tobacco from Afghanistan. Um, and I, you know, then the war came this was probably like 1999, 2000, and then I was never able to try it ever again. And if I ever do any new project, I would like to be able to do something because I think it was very rare when it was presented to me. It was something about the tobacco of the doorstep of, I don't know, some, some area there. And I always felt like I smoked it. It was, it was so different. I really hope that one day I get to use it. That will be cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. It'll be really some for different for sure. And that, that and we kind of were talking about that before. And, and especially when you're talking about your birthday cigar and then going into the Dominican and everything that, you know, while you are a Honduran manufacturer, um, yep. you have farms in multiple countries and you, but you also procure tobacco, a lot of different yep. types of tobacco and you use of incredibly wide variety of tobaccos as well. So it's, it's really, it's really cool that you're still, you're still hungry for that. You're still trying to find different, more and more different stuff to, to be able to utilize and use. That's really great. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, as you know, tobacco is grown in so many different countries. I don't even know the number, but I mean, even Indonesia that people know there's, there's great quality tobacco there where they think it might be, you know, some low end stuff, uh, Ecuadorian, um, you know, you got Peruvian. Um, so there's a lot of countries that have uh, Brazil, um, it's a great country and Colombia. I mean, I'm expanding into my, my farming in Colombia. So you're going to be seeing a lot of very interesting new versions of, a, of a Criollo, the, the new Corojos that are out there, the new Habanos, the 2012. So, I'm playing with that at the farming level. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of very unique things coming out of a lot of different countries. So soil plays a huge part, mm -hmm. uh, climate. And when you have that in a new region, you're going to get a new product that's totally different. Well, one of the other tobaccos that you used too, I remember in, 
uh, I haven't smoked one in, I, I, I must confess, I haven't smoked one in years, but the, uh, the GR specials, the yeah. black and the red that they had Costa Rican. Yeah. In it too. Yeah. Um, man, I, I really dug the, I, I really dug those cigars. I need to see if I can get my hand on some. Listen, Costa Rican tobacco to me is a tobacco that has one of the most unique full body tobaccos in anywhere in the world. And, you know, unfortunately, it's not a farm as much as it used to be. But if you want to try something really tasty, a lot of the Costa Rican tobaccos, if blended well, will beat anything in the world. I remember you also had uh, what was also characteristic. You typically see Mexican as a Maduro. You see San Andres Maduro. You typically see as a wrapper, sometimes as a binder. But you, I don't know what what var- varietal it was. But in the GR Special Red, you had yeah. you had Mexican in the filler. If I'm rem- if I remember correctly, right? Yeah. Was that was that San Andreas or was it just like a like sun grown or? No, so that was that was San Andreas filler. Oh wow! Uh, that, so I mean, this goes back way before now. San Andreas, you know, is 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 really kind of one of the most renowned tobaccos out there, and a lot of people appreciate it. But um, you know, for me, is it was always a very special tobacco because it has a very unique flavor. Once again, I'll I'll leave you with the unique flavor, but it does. <laughs> oh, I, I the one car- we were talking about the floral. Uh, sweetness, citrus characteristics of of the twentieth, for example, that we're, I'm finishing up. Uh, but one of the uh, w- the very very pronounced flavor component I remember off that special red, the GR special reds, were uh, it had this very very u- unique sweetness to it. There I said it. Uh, sweetness to it. it was like this really nuttiness. It was like almost like a honey and almond, like a yeah. honey, like uh, oh god, what's the cereal? That I'm trying to think of it, honey oats, honey oats, yeah, yeah, honey bunches of oats. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly what it. The, uh, it's like to, and the creaminess too is there. So it was like, you know, people are thinking like, "Gosh, Barry, you're smoking a bowl of cereal." It felt like it. It was really rich. It was really good. I remember it very, very, very distinctly. He'll produce it, and, and it's funny because uh, you know that, that cigar and the black are actually Granabanos and never made it onto the full line. You know, I, I wanted to do only three. And if you notice, I only ever do three blend, um, I mean, three sizes. I wanted to do three lines in the Granabano original project. And these were the, the, the number two and the number, um, it was two and four that didn't mm. make it into the full line. Mm. So, um, the, cons- the, the, the consumer could actually buy a grand and bond on a bundle that never made it into the full line. That's what the GR specials are. Actually, you get a premium yeah. long bar for a few for, uh, I think they're still like under five bucks. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, I remember they're, they're really, they're really, really value priced. And so the, the, I really liked the Churchill cause I'm a big fan of Churchill's. Uh, you don't yeah. see them very often. And it was, um, to spec the Churchill size too. Like it wasn't like some Churchill's that are like, you know, eight inches long and like 55. No, this- <laughs> no it's like seven by 48. No. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, uh, and, uh, I'm a big fan of grand Robustos too. I know you do that a lot too. the 54 or 52 gauge 
like five and a yeah. half or six and everything really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some, a lot of great cigars in your portfolio, George, and, and thank you so much for sharing your, your time with us tonight and talking a great deal about a lot of them and some really great, a really, really great projects on the horizon. We're all really looking forward to uh, October and uh, the birthday cigar. We get to hear more about that and hopefully smoke it uh, on the regular. I'm really excited about the release. When can the 20, when uh, the 20th is, is coming out here in the next couple of weeks, right? Like go be on shelves in the next couple of weeks or. Um, so we're, we're kind of actually the cigars are made. They've been made for quite some time. We're delayed with some of the packaging. So we're expect to have it. Um, it was supposed to be towards the end of August. We're pushing now towards the end of September. If we could get them out as sooner, the better. So, and I apologize because, you know, it's kind of one of those things we promised we were going to have it by late August. Now we're pushing late September, but within the next couple months. Yeah. Packaging has been a beating for you guys, everybody. When I say you guys, I mean, manufacturers, that's been the thing that's been running. Paper, hands, wood for boxes, cellophane. It's been a nightmare introducing new projects. Crazy. Well, hopefully that uh, that gets uh, fixed soon, and then hopefully in a couple of weeks we get to see the twentieth on shelves. And uh, uh, I can't wait because uh, I I will definitely be getting a box because uh, this is absolutely stellar. So, and you everyone out there should be uh, clamoring to you to get this because I'm telling you it is a really really tremendous experience. So go out there and get the latest from Grand Habano Cigars, the twentieth anniversary chapter one. It's only the beginning. We got time after this. Uh, for, a, for a lot more uh, it's coming from George and his fantastic family. So everyone out there for tuning in tonight, really do appreciate our audience as always. Of course, if you're listening to us later, I know we talked about a lot of visual things. Not going to be great for our podcast audience, but trust me, we talked about a lot of beautiful things tonight. Uh, and uh, But we had some great conversation too. So George, thank you again uh, for your time tonight. If you're listening to us later, wherever you listen to podcasts, be sure to download, subscribe, review wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you already are a subscriber, do me a favor, hit unsubscribe, but don't forget to hit resubscribe because that helps my numbers. And I can great bring people, great guests back, including people like George. Uh, we won't make it this long next time, George. I promise you that. Uh, take 91 was the first time we had you on. Uh, 223rd uh, uh, take tonight. Uh, it was an absolutely great conversation. Check out our YouTube channel as well, LOS Fumar. And you can always check out our guest list on LOS Fumar, our Facebook page. We'll be having some new guests uh, posted very soon. And of course, we'll be back with another great show next week as well. We're looking forward to all of it. For everyone out there, this was our 223rd take. I'm Barry Duplessis live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. He's George Rico. And guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time.